0: So I have here today. Uh, uh, you go by Mudskipper, uh, or what? How? What's your alias? Alias? Aulale- I keep pronouncing that wrong. Aulale- Aulale- yeah. <laughs> so I have your a, a Lego stop motion uh, uh, expert here. Uh, just uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Sure.
1: So my name is Greg Toll. Normally online, I go under the handle Monotogo Studios, which is my stop motion animation studio.
0: Okay, so I was close. It's <laughs> like between my. Uh, uh, so when I looked at your YouTube channel, though, and and you you did you were trying to uh, crowdfund a Lego project, but when I looked at your uh, your profile or your uh, what you do, uh, you've done kind of an array of stop motion work from like uh, clay, I think. I yep. yeah, so what made you wanna even become an animator specifically stop motion out of all things? Sure. So I was really interested in filmmaking when I was
1: younger. I just I loved films, I love the ability to, you know, um tell these power stories and build these interesting characters and um I'm also a Christian, so for me it was also a way to share about what I believe and why it influences and impacts me as a person through that medium of storytelling. So I had an older brother that was involved in film for a few years, and I thought it was the coolest thing. I wanted to get into it, but I didn't have any money because at the time I was 14, um, but we had Lego, like pretty much every household, and oh, yeah. had DSLR, so I started playing around with stop motion and instead just because of the accessibility, and then uh, I kept doing it, and so I started getting good at it, and then because I was good at it, I kept doing it, and somewhere along the way, I fell in love with it.
0: Now I'm an now I'm an animator. So, uh, speaking of kind of like getting like really good at uh, Legos, I I grew up with Legos myself too. But uh, there was a point in my time, probably around teenager years, uh, and when we were moving, I think either to Texas or Oregon, it's one of the two. But my parents decided uh, that you know I'm too old for Legos and toy and uh, action figures. So we had to. I mean, we were poor at the time too, so uh, we had to kind of get rid of something and well all that kind of went out the window but uh just recently one of my good friends uh who uh does uh excuse me i i'm drinking some uh what is it? This pillow stood Estia. Uh, uh- it's lemon. And, it's lemon drinking water. But what are the cases? It's coming in my throat. Uh, <laughs> so she uh, is a great. She's a good friend of mine. But she uh, brought me into uh, Lego back into Lego when I was just hanging out with her. Uh, well, her and my niece uh, basically because she really loves building Legos, and my niece uh, is getting really attached into legos starting with like duplos and then getting into lego friends uh and then uh my friend told me about this uh master building sort of competition yeah we're apparently like uh you there's this uh i get, i don't know if it's like a pool money for like you, you win this much for i don't really know what's around this like like building championship but i found that really cool to kind of go like okay i'd heard of master builder in the the lego movie but but I haven't. I didn't know that there was an actual like master building competition. So I actually went and looked it up, and there's a whole there's a whole like competitive culture behind just building things out of Legos. So, uh, yep. D- do you see yourself even being a part of that? Uh, I don't know about the master building competitive community so
1: much but if you do a little poking around uh, the internet it's not hard to find some of these huge um what they call afol communities which is adult fan of lego so for some reason the the lego fan community has a lot of really strange acronyms like burp and snot uh i guess i don't know 40 something guys that so burp stands for big up rock piece dot St- snot stands for studs not on top so it'd be like a build where you put bricks on their side to show a smooth edge or maybe use tiles or something instead. Um, so I was definitely more involved with that, especially when I was younger and in my earlier years of doing stop motion. I've attended Brick World Chicago a number of times, which is like a 100,000 square feet of people put their in insane Lego displays. And it's like here, so he has 8,000 troll figures attacking the city of Minas Tirith and a huge Lord of the Rings display, and stuff like that.
0: So. Yeah, actually, there is a uh, com- or a convention of sorts over here in Plano. I think it's called Lego World because uh, th- I do know that that convention that gets held is held here. It's something that sort of happens all around the U.S. I don't know if it really was called Lego World or maybe it was called something else, but it was uh, an event that happened annually down in Plano, where it was just this huge hallway of uh, you know Lego sets, uh, different uh, little things going on. I haven't, I actually have never attended the event yet, but it is something that sounds really tempting to do, probably at some time in the future. But yeah, I have heard of a LEGO event of some sorts and i've been to Legoland, of course and Universal, or it was a universal disney world but yeah i i mean i still love lego today just that uh again i hadn't i have none with me anymore and they cost a lot of money on the internet that was something i noticed just even going on amazon there are some expensive sets yeah it's just something that is a lot to invest in. I've kind of already put that into, uh, film and gaming, so, uh, but I, I still enjoy, you know, whenever I can, of course, my niece, and you know, with my friends who are really, uh, have really invested into it. But anyway, this is not just about that, because, uh, of course, you're an animator of Stop Motion that eventually became, t- or came down to Lego, and, uh, you uh, put out this, uh, film or at least, uh, a, uh, Kickstarter for it called Atlas, uh Uh, lego brick filming at its finest now i don't know if i have sheer screen i think i have sheer screens on so i'm gonna play the trailer for it you know the idea is hey everybody oh shoot kickstarter for atlas the new Holy crap! It's so meta. I'm studios. talking to you, and you're film, here at
1: September the same time.
0: Actually, I want to stop right here because. Th- so what you're, you're you're probably hearing is that uh, I'm at the start of the trailer and i'm seeing like his, his room right. It, I don't know if this is your room or if this is your studio, but you got like Legos everywhere. You got like yeah. organized drawers. Like, how do you kind of manage all that? Like, I just have all that. I, how much money does it cost to even just have? or just to even uh, own so many Legos and to find a way to organize them all?
1: So um, that, that collection's been built up over several years now, and it's, it's about 400 pounds of Lego bricks. People ask me, like, oh, what's your piece count? And i like, I don't have that kind of time to tell you piece count. I know that I have 40,000 transmitter one-by-one round plates. Uh, that's what's in the riverbed down there. If uh, you've seen anything from my feature, Stop Motion Film Bound, is on YouTube, there's a river sequence in there, and that's what all those trans clear plates are from. So, that that collection is probably somewhere in the like seven to eight thousand dollar range, I would say. And a lot of that's been very uh, custom built up. So, we actually bought another adult fans collection when we were working on Bound, the former feature film. And then I've done a lot to supplement and build it up specifically since then, mostly by sourcing parts through bricklink.com, like specific orders from you know an independent seller in Germany or.
0: France, and all over the U.S. Now, now you said, like, adult fans collection. Like, so is there, like... Cause I, I mean I I've always think that hey you want, regardless of age if you enjoy doing it then uh sure uh but like the the Lego boxes they would always say that this is for like four to sixteen or uh what have you and every time I think of adult I I know this is kind of weird but the first thing I think of is something like let's just say not appropriate <laughs> it's like uh, sure. like how who, how did how did like a I mean, you maybe you probably don't know, but uh, I am kind of curious about like the what are the like the adult Legos like? Uh, how do you separate like adult from like kid Legos?
1: Sure, sure. So I mean, there can obviously be cross pollination between the two, and a lot of people who are adult fans of Lego, they have children and their children love Lego. So it's like they're playing with their kids with stuff, and then they do their own separate work. Um, there's a blog called The Brothers Brick, and it's basically a curated collection of some of the finest work done by Lego fans. I mean, you'll see everything from guys who are engineers building, like, Technic-scale versions of WALL-E from Pixar's film of the same title that's, like, a fully functioning robot for the Technic system and people building, you know, versions of London Bridge or whatever it is. So uh, what mostly separates the child side of Lego from the adult side of Lego is the complexity and scale at which you're seeing builds happen, so a lot of the times, for the adults, it's like an art medium or um, a hobby, so like somebody might do rock model railroading or somebody might paint, It's Lego's the same thing to a lot of the adult fans in the community. It's, it's either a medium or it's just a tool to design and make what you want, but it's a very complex system, it's it's brilliantly designed, so there's a lot of um, really advanced interplay between the parts that extends far beyond just putting one brick on top of another one. And that's a lot of what you'll see in the adult community.
0: Okay. Uh, now, while I've been listening to you, I've, uh, I've kind of scrolled around to see the, your, uh, how you do this. And uh, you, when, when people think of stop motion, the, the simple thing is you take in, you take an object, you take a figure... And then you just move it really slowly, then take a picture, and then move it really slowly, and then take a picture, and then so on and so forth. Uh, and you have a whole software and lighting studio. Like, how do you go about uh, animation and stop motion differently than from what some might perceive it? Or is it exactly how someone would perceive uh, uh, stop motion animation?
1: So. At its core, it's the same thing that most people would perceive it as. You're taking an image, you're moving characters or elements a very small amount, you're taking another image. The difference that I think separates the kind of work that we push to do when it comes to Bound, when it comes to Atlas, is that we're trying to really take that stop motion, even the stop motion with Lego, and push it in a professional direction in terms of the way that we handle composition, lighting, editing, set building, all those aspects. So. You'll see lots of like great um, little videos on YouTube. We, we call them brick films in that community. Lego's have most are called brick filmers. So in that community, you'll see a lot of people doing fun stuff, um, but we, we like to use Lego as a medium and say, okay, how can we treat this like a legitimate film medium where we're making something that has a very professional look to it, that's very polished in its final result, that's well lit, et cetera. So as opposed to just kind of grabbing three desk lamps, doing basic three point lighting, Um, slapping some bricks together, and animating something. And a lot of animators will focus on just the stop-motion side of it. We also try to put a lot of depth and complexity into our set building and then treat our lighting from a more cinematic perspective where you put light where you want it in the set, you take it away where you don't, and you use it to frame your characters and your settings and develop mood. So, I mean, I, I might have a setup that could take me two hours for a shot. And I'm not talking about set building. I mean just, like, lighting and framing it could take that long. And that's trying to be very specific and very intentional in all of those details to hopefully separate the final quality and then, you know, the experience of what you're getting to view and enjoy in the
0: end product. Now, yeah, we, we've been talking about kind of, you know, Legos and the preceding Legos. Uh, of course, I want to get to, you know, even what this film is about because I'm sure someone listening is like, gosh darn, I don't give a crap about this animation. What is this movie that I'm trying to, you want money for? Jesus. Okay, all right. Well, let's get to the trailer and then, uh, which actually is really just a little teaser because uh, most of it Devil. is the here we go'
1: is a dangerous place you should have seen the Argon
0: forest okay it's only like 15 seconds but I'm sure it's because uh, you're just showing like a little uh, little taste uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately the movie or the shorts uh, or however long you wanted to make this did not reach its goal, uh, just shy of a thousand out of it. So it's your pledge was uh, wanting it to be five thousand five hundred dollars. Uh, and what what would you say would that funding go into? Um,
1: sure. So there's two primary hurdles that we have left for Atlas, and that's the sound slash music side, and then the post production side. So. You know, there's things that get shot on green screens or blue screens, and you need to build additional sets, you have to do set extensions. That footage all has to be cleaned up. Once you just capture it on camera and you do the stop motion side of it, there's a bunch of work left after that. Um, a DSLR sensor, over time, pixels in the sensor will die, they'll go bad. And so that will show up on the image as like little blue, little red or little white spots. And so we actually go back in and we clean all of those out in post-production. We We'll generally um, animate the mouths of the characters so that it looks like they're actually talking. We'll do a little bit of supplemental animation to some of the facial features. And so all of that's digital post-production work. Everything has to be color graded. Sometimes there's shifting set elements that need to be masked or tracked guy replacements. And then your composer has to actually write music for the project and your sound designer has to go in and, and do all that work. So that's where the majority of that would go. And then, um, some of it I would use to back pay some animators um, that came and worked on this project for
0: us. So, so yeah, what was Atlas about? Now I, I I don't know if this is something you plan on still continuing because uh, of course it didn't make its goal. It, it, but the fact that it was only just a thousand does that give you the motivation to still keep going, or do you think that because you didn't reach uh, the goal, then it's it's it it's done? But I mean, that's totally what how you feel about uh, Kickstarter because you've been there.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question, Chase. Um, so the fact that it was within a thousand dollars of its goal is an encouraging thing. So when we ran Bound, we had uh, eleven or twelve thousand dollar goal for Bound. We surpassed it; we over fourteen thousand. And then obviously, Atlas is just fifty five hundred. So I think part of what made Funding Atlas a a little bit different is that we're telling a serious story with a medium that's perceived to not be serious. And of course, a lot of Lego stuff is very fun and very lighthearted. So I think maybe it asks a bit of a question in somebody's mind about where exactly does this project fit? It's a serious story, but you're telling it with um, what's often perceived as a more childish medium. And I kind of like that juxtaposition of taking something that's people perceive as being for kids and then handling it in a very mature way. And I think it brings some interesting elements to in the story. Uh, my intention is still to complete the project. In fact, once the Kickstarter went down, I had more than 30 people that um, messaged to reach out to me and said, we'd like to see it again. Would you be willing to rerun this? We think we could fund it. I'd like to up my pledge. I want to make sure that I'm telling more people. I didn't get involved. Fast enough, early enough, whatever it was. So we actually relaunched the Kickstarter. Well, we will be. It's in a pre-launch stage right now. But then it'll be the same thing as this Kickstarter. Um, I did bring it down by five hundred dollars. I decided to just eat the difference. So far, I've self-funded Atlas. I have a full-time job, but you know it doesn't cover film expenses, and film is expensive, especially yeah. anything that you're doing well. So yeah,
0: what what is the story of Atlas? Also like Absol- what, yeah yeah
1: yeah absolutely so the story at its core is about a family trying to avert a railroad disaster set during the 1930s steam era
0: because uh i think i mean many people there's there's a whole culture of uh you know filmmakers of the lego on youtube and there are definitely uh like lego animators that uh have probably tried to do r uh, raid material for legos the only thing is you know the, what's the most popular film as far as film related goes is of course the lego movies and uh which uh well at least they used to the last two films they didn't really make as much as the uh studio probably wanted but uh like the Lego movie for example it was it was a CG film but they made it in a way where it was like we're going to make it look like stop motion do you look at that as something like you does that is that something you would want to toy with in the future or do you feel like you want to uh, continue doing stop motion
1: um I honestly think that I would stick with actual stop motion. The Lego film was a pretty incredible project, and there's a lot of really cool elements in the pseudo stop motion perspective of it and the way that they chose to handle it. But Chase, there's just something that you can never replicate in a CG environment that you get in real life. There's something about the real interaction, the way that light catches bricks, corners, creates shadows, that you have atmospherics. And when something is CG versus real life, you can always tell. So it's actually like this great new project that just came out on Netflix, uh, The Dark Crystal Age of oh, yeah. yeah that. I mean, they're doing that with physical puppets and on physical sets, and it creates a level of reality because you know that you could really reach out and touch the item that's there. And there's, there's kind of a great nuance in my mind to those little imperfections that you get from stop motion, like uh, some of the work that Leica has done, I mean, these incredible projects Artistically, and you can't ever replicate that in the CG environment. So even if somebody gave me you know two million dollars to produce a feature film ten million dollars i would still do it in stop motion as my preferred medium
0: yeah the the other thing is though because uh, i love stop motion too i mean i've enjoyed uh most of laika's films and uh, i and i also saw the dark crystal uh age of resistance that was good but something i noticed about at least stop motion and even puppetry they've not been like laika's been able to survive because uh the boss behind uh Leica's studios his father is the uh, president of nike so like he uh-huh. has unlimited money uh, to spend but when you look at the the box office returns of all the Leica films they never make their money back and same i don't know what's going on with uh, puppets right now but i hope i hope the, the age of resistance is a success because uh, i'd like to see a second season of that but yeah what do you think about because i think that's why a, a lot of people just you know reserved a cg because well it's there it's less risk of not being able to make the money that they've spent on do you see that do you see stop motion like do you think stop motion will live forever is what i'm saying uh as far as an animation method
1: sure yeah i think so i mean you have this art form that's been being crafted and you know kind of perfected and stuff for decades and i don't think that it's that it's ever going to go away and there's some ways that i think it you know it's coming back into vogue you have um studios like leica and you know aardman which has been around for a lot of years and they're releasing some of these pretty amazing feature films um i don't think that'll ever go away i think maybe also part of what's in that question you're asking is hey what's the viability of this like can you really make this work long term and i think that a studio like aardman is proof that you can um and i think people default to CGI because there's a lot of ways in which it's easier. Yeah. And
0: I hear it's also cheaper.
1: Not necessarily. You might be surprised. Wow. Um, so you have Leica's early projects, I think, were right around 60, 65 million. Uh, the Lego movie was also about $65 million budget. So you're looking at basically the same budget for either one of those projects. Now when the scale of what you're doing in stop motion wants to go up dramatically then there are elements of it that do become cheaper in a CG environment, right? Because if I want a battle sequence that's you know, 7,000 guys in an army, that becomes pretty prohibitive to animate by hand as opposed to a computer that can generate those characters, like say some of the massive battle sequences from Lord of the Rings or something. Um, but especially in a story that's a little bit more restrained in its scope or its scale, then there's a lot of ways that stop motion can be less expensive because it doesn't require the same kind of technology that CG does, but it requires artists who have a very particular niche skill and are well developed in executing it.
0: Well, that is uh, really cool, um, and I I hope that Atlas can still become a success because I like to see the full film of the uh, because I mean I too I don't know how serious you can make. Uh, a set of legos because i mean for one they just look so darn adorable so if you try to make oh sorry sorry that's me yeah but i mean i would still be curious to see how that now you even work that especially with your voice casts. like how and that's another thing how do you how do you get like vo- voice actors to or do you just have like uh, people in your studio like voice the characters you animate because uh, yeah, i i would get this, this case, yeah i'm
1: sorry uh, in this case, those are actually all three professional actors who I know from the filmmaking industry. So just being in the industry over the years, going to different festivals, conventions, academies, that kind of thing, you meet people and you make connections. And I've worked on some other projects. I've worked on some live action projects, um, independent projects mostly, and actually only independent projects. But, um, found people through that and you run across actors and so then when I was casting Atlas I had three specific guys in mind so I reached out to them and I said hey this project I'm working on. would you be interested in coming on board for it so um they said yes and I hired them and we we did everything so
0: and where would you so it say this is and i hopefully it is a success but uh, say you do get your funding where would you release i mean youtube seems like it it could be a practical way but do you do you see any other type of like platform or way of like releasing films that you worked on uh besides youtube
1: yeah there's um I, i would do Some film festival work with Atlas. I don't think I would try to take it on a huge
0: run and put it in like 20 festivals or something like that, but probably at least a couple. So we took
1: Bound to a film festival um, in San Antonio after it was finished and we won Best Animated there and also were runners up for Best Feature and I think Best Original Score was the other one. Um, So, same thing with Atlas. I mean, it's a film. It can be competitive in those kind of places and categories. And that's also a great way to gain exposure for projects. And then YouTube is the other way, so.
0: Oh, that, that yeah. So, I guess, uh, I mean, we talked a lot here. In fact, I even... Oh, wait, do you... Um... Oh, yeah, where did you get your education? I think that is also important. Uh, and do you think, how important do you think education is as far as, like, going past your career as an animator?
1: Okay, yeah, that's a great question. Still. Or at I least actually...
0: education in, in a school, I would say.
1: Yeah, um, that's, I mean, there's some mixed perspectives on it. I'm actually a big fan of going the independent route and not going to school for it. So uh, I was a homeschooled kid growing up, and it gave me a lot of flexibility in the things that I studied, the kind of interest that I had. I was interested in getting into stop motion when I was 14, so my parents said, hey, let's see how we can plug that into your school curriculum as much as possible. So I was still taking core courses in math, science, history, etc., but for like art and business and some other things, um, I actually used my filmmaking as that. So I would do that part-time from 14, 15, well, still up to now. So that's, I guess, 12, 11, 12 years ago. Um, and then there can be value in going to schools, but especially when it comes to filmmaking, my advice to people is to just start doing it. You, There's so many things available now, Chase, online, like books that you can get a hold of, blogs that you can follow, like No Film School other cinematographers whose work you can see. You can go to academies and get training there. I don't think that four years of going to a traditional college are necessarily much of a help to somebody interested in filmmaking, Um, and especially even in the stop motion environment. Stop motion is an art form that really takes time. I mean, all art forms do, but stop motion is something that you're just going to have to put the hours in. So... You could go to a school and put in the hours and pay for it, or you could not pay to go to a school and still put in the hours. And you're going to become a good established animator by practicing it. So that's you know, that's what happened to me. It was just years of doing it, thousands of hours of moving characters a tiny amount, taking a picture and doing it again. So um, I think that obviously, like, high school education, important, people should do it. But when it comes specifically to stop motion and studying it, my encouragement to filmmakers is start doing it. Your first project's going to be terrible, no matter what you're doing. So do your first project. It'll be terrible, but you'll get it out of the way, and you'll start getting better in time.
0: Yeah, what was your first project?
1: Okay, so I produced this short film called A Viking Worth Liking which was uh, kind of, um, it was my own take on a parable from the Bible about the Good Samaritan, but it was based on a Viking and an Englishman, so that same sort of natural animosity towards each other. Um, Produced it for a film festival with my sister, and we ended up doing the whole thing in a couple of weeks, mostly, well, a month, but really the majority of it was in two weeks. It was really supposed to be like a seven-minute stop-motion film. Uh, We rendered out the whole thing at six frames per second. So half of its intended speed because we had a software problem and we didn't have time to rerun it all because of our deadline. So we ended up re-recording the dialogue and like writing it out and the whole film just played oh, wow. really slowly. Uh, and that was our first project and it was not good. But, you know, we finished it. We actually made it into a film festival um, in under a young filmmaker's category. I was 14 or 15. I think I was 14 when I did that project. Um, and, you know, that's what kind of lit the fire under me a little bit because when we made it to that festival, I was like, oh my gosh, maybe we can do this for real. And so that was where the idea for Bound originally came from and then Bound was 15 to 21 for me, so...
0: Well, that I mean, still, just Stephen having that experience? Uh, but another thing is, you you mentioned, and th- this is also kind of important. But you mentioned that you uh, uh, or you're a Christian, or at least you work with Christians. Is Atlas uh, like a religious movie too, or one of the or one of the stop motion films you worked on? Uh, they deal with religion. Um, yeah,
1: so Bound Bound has some openly Christian aspects to it. If you watch that film and Atlas. Um, how would I describe Alice? Alice is not perhaps inherently religious in nature, but what it is is it's a very strong allegory to some some biblical ideas or some biblical truths. So I would say that it would be fair to say that Atlas is a religious project per se.
0: Because uh, Christians, and that, that's the thing is, I you know I grew up under a Christian family. Yeah. I'm I'm agnostic myself, but I totally respect okay. you know the ideals of Christianity. And some of my best friends are Christian too, and I totally love them. So it's nothing against Christians, but there is this whole thing about uh, you know our Christians uh, view on. Uh, uh, on the LGBT community about you know being gay, being gay is a sin. You should not uh, do same sex marriage. And then there's these uh religious films that have come out that have been uh very um very uh how you say it, not uh too pleasant one of them was called like the trump prophecy where like uh it was like god god like chose trump to become president and it was under god's will and under christianity uh a lot these are really freaking i mean again i review movies so i i'm probably things i i see not a lot of people have seen yeah how did someone who like uh someone who were to say hey you know what i i don't like christians i don't trust them because you know how they feel about uh gays and then uh uh, some uh, some really terrible things they've uh, or some of the priests have done. Like, how do you? What would you do to kind of tell them? Hey, you know, not all Christians are like this.
1: Yeah. Um, honestly, Chase, I don't. I don't know how else to say it. But then, by get get to know us, you know, I, I yeah hope that my you know that the that, that evidence of my life, of my character, of the people that know me, um, that that would speak more to who I am as a person and how Christianity defines me than some of the really nasty things that have that have come out of it. And it's like anything else, um, with all the capacity to be right and good and beautiful, there's also this capacity for anything to be twisted into something terrible and gross and, you know, mishandled from what it's intended to be. So... It's in anything that you have there's always gonna be bad apples in the basket. Yeah. I can't speak for them because I you know, I I don't think I associate with some of the kind of wild fringe elements of, of people and I think you have people who uh, you know, will claim to be Christians, but maybe don't really understand what Christianity is or aren't uh, fully convicted about how they live out their life in, in light of what Christianity is. So um, everyone can get off track. I, my real response to people would be, I hope that if you got to know me, you would see that there's a
0: different side. No, that, that's really good. Because uh, I, I, I I don't have that mindset, but I mean, I, I've just very lately, I've seen a lot uh, regarding, uh, you know, Christians ha- having a huge issue with it. Like, there was this whole thing about there's some some Christian bar owners, like, rejecting gay couples from, you know, entering. And then, uh, of course, some of these films, which I mean all of them are not good, but uh, they've they've kind of tried to push, hey you want, know if you're not a Christian, you're just really terrible person and it like Christians are just getting just by again, by these bad apples are just kind of been uh you know perceived as this religion you don't want to be anywhere near and yeah. i i don't really feel that way but yeah so i mean i i had to kind of bring that up because i think that was important to say but uh there was a lot of important things to bring up uh but of course i think uh because uh, i live out here in the, uh, melissa with bad internet i think this is probably uh we i mean we talked about a great deal uh a great deal and a lot of great stuff too uh again it's great uh, being able to talk to you on uh, Definitely love your collection, and I wish I had m- money for that. But I spend all that on video games and movies, so uh, which I do something with that too. Uh, again, on my podcast and writing and all that. But I do think it's good to close in with how do people get a hold of you? How do people uh, you know follow you up and make sure they can uh, get ready for the uh, Kickstarter relaunch of Atlas?
1: Sure, absolutely, great question. So. Probably the best way to follow what we're doing is on Facebook at Monotogo Studios, which is M O N I T O G O Studios, plural. Uh, that's where I'll post about Kickstarter projects and do updates about projects that I'm working on. Or you can find us on YouTube under the same name. Um, I do less sort of regular project updates and posts on YouTube. That runs a lot more through my Facebook page, but there's connection and cross-pollination between
0: the two of course okay well that that is that is great uh to know and uh definitely i'm definitely looking forward to atlas and uh, uh yeah i i'm i'm really because uh i know people are only hearing this so they can't really see the i'm gonna link the uh uh i mean, I mean all this information so they can even see from the, the clicking the uh description of the, this uh little interview uh but i've i mean i saw what the few shots i've seen of uh, atlas have looked beautiful very Thank close you up and with some of the uh things you're like the lighting effects actually especially that kind of stood out to me so i i'm looking to see how this kind of goes along as a however long you wanted to make the film of course and whatever products you might want to do that may or may not revolve around legos unless if legos is what you want to stick with uh forever i guess i'll close on with that all
1: right yeah, it's, um, we, I'm, I'm not necessarily exclusively tied to Lego, it's a medium that I like a lot and I've done a lot of work with, but not necessarily, we'll see. I mean, uh, the future is bright and wide open, so.
0: Good. Anyway, it was great talking to you, but I, again, I, I think 38 minutes or so is good for what will be a five hour upload over here. Again, my internet sucks. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'll, uh. Yeah, yeah, I'll look forward to it. But anyway, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Thank you, Chase. You have a good one.